Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher. He rounds up his disciples and he says this, I'm leaving. I have to go back to the one who sent me. And I know you're sad, but listen, it is to your advantage. It is for your benefit. It is better that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper who is your comforter, your advocate, your counselor, your encourager, and your strength. If I do not go away, he will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. That's why it's better that if I go away. That's why having the Holy Spirit is better than Jesus. If you're excited for Sunday service, make some noise. Hey, well, my name is Jared, and welcome to City View Church, the perfect place for imperfect people. If this is your first time to church, and maybe your first time in a long time, can I just, I just want to let you know before we begin here is... Man, I want you to not feel a lot of anxiety. I know it's a lot to walk into a place like this. But um, something we always champion here is that you don't have to believe in order to belong. And so what we mean by that is that this is a safe place. If you're searching or maybe someone dragged you to church today, I just want to let you know before we even begin here is that this is a safe place to process who God is. Can I get an amen from the church family? Amen. So, hey, with that, if you are new, my name is Jared. Like I said, I am not the lead pastor of this community. That would be my man, Jeremiah Semler. Can we give it up for Jeremiah? He is, uh, he had, a, I think, an anniversary getaway this week. So um, I'm up this weekend, then you guys will see him next weekend. But we are in a series titled uh, Better Than Jesus. And before we begin, we got to be honest here. I, I, it's a little bit of a clickbait title. And I'm just telling you for, for real. That's my fault. I, I don't want to confuse anybody. What I do want you to know is we want to have a play on words, something that Jesus had said. And so just like we alluded to in the video, check this out. So Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and I hope you got to see just a little bit of what Jesus was saying. But he's sitting with his disciples before he goes to the cross, and he goes, hey, check it. He says, listen, it, it's, I know you're sad because I'm going away, because I'm going to die. But he says this, he says, but it's actually to your advantage, it's actually to your benefit, it's actually, dare I say, better that I go. Because if I don't go, then he will not come. But if I do go, the counselor, the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit, he will lead you and guide you. He's going to come and he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. Now, when I said the word Holy Spirit, someone in here might have got a little scared. You're like, oh gosh, are they going to bring the snakes out? No, no snakes this morning, y'all. I know, I don't like snakes either. So uh, we're, we don't get weird like that. We don't get down like that. But I do want to share with you how the Holy Spirit helps you today. And here's the most important thing. I actually don't even care if you remember anything of what I'm saying today, but I do care about one thing. I am praying, and I've been praying this entire week, that today would mark the day that you have an increased sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, my hope for you is that you can look back on January 31st, today of 2021, after a terrible 2020, but something about this day, something shifted in you. That you now have a sensitivity to his voice, to the checks, to the nudges of his voice. And I just pray that today is a game changer for you, all right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell a story, and you're going to be like, how does this have to do with anything? Trust me, we'll get there, and then we will get into how the Holy Spirit helps us. With that, let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, that you are a good and heavenly father. Lord, I thank you that you are a father that is nothing like any of our earthly fathers, that you are good, that you are gentle, that you are the lion and the lamb. You're tough and tender. And Lord, I just thank you, God, that you are in this place. We sense you here today. We thank you for your presence. And Holy Spirit, as we speak about what you do in our life, Holy Spirit, I just pray for your manifest presence this morning. I pray, Lord, that even with the words I say, you would remind your sons and daughters of things you've already spoken to them. I pray, Lord, as I prayed last service, that you would kick up the dust in their soul. Lord, that they would literally just, just something new would happen in this moment. And Lord, that you would dust off some of the things that you have spoken to them in the past. I pray that you would remind them of promises that you've shared with them. That you would remind them of scriptures that you've shared with them. That you would remind them of the words given to them, spoken over their life. I pray, Lord, that you would just be glorified in this place. And Jesus, none of this could be done without you. We thank you so much for sending your spirit to show us and remind us who we really are and lead us into all truth. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Have you ever uh, had a sudden realization about something just kind of out of nowhere? You're like, oh my gosh. Well, recently I found myself at a doctor's appointment I was not prepared for. Well, let me explain. So a couple months ago, as y'all know, I got foot surgery, had a tumor in my foot, good, we're good, awesome. But after, those, after I got it removed, I had these follow-up uh, appointments, right? So I have these follow-up appointments, and the very last one I missed because I'm doing good, life's good, and I had an interview at the same time, to be honest, so I couldn't make it. So a couple weeks go by after I missed that uh, appointment, and my mom ends up falling and hurting her foot really bad. So she, she lets me know. She says, hey, can you drive me to the foot doctor because I can't drive. Something's really wrong. So we drive to the foot doctor. Obviously, we share the same doctor. And uh, we walk in. We check her in. We walk in the back. And the doctor's like, hey, Jared, what's going on? All right, man, jump up on the table. And I'm like, whoa, bro, bro no. Well, doc, yo, we're here for my mom. Like, I'm just chilling. He's like, he's like, no, he's like, he's like, take, take, take Allison and, and, and go, go do the x-ray. Hey, Jared, take off your shoe, your sock, jump up on the table. Like, let's check to see if you're good. I'm like, I did not schedule this doctor's appointment. Like, like, why, what are, why are we inspecting me? I'm all right. Like, like, let's keep going. But here's the funny thing. I found myself at an appointment I was not ready for. And here's the interesting thing, is that many of us also have a certain appointment in our lives that just comes upon us randomly and something we were just not ready for. And you see, sometimes it happens in the chaos of life, but sometimes it happens in the stillness of life. And the appointment that I'm referring to is the appointment with ourselves. It's an appointment with ourselves. I was recently reading this book, um, and, it's, and it's titled, Why Despite Everything, Christianity Makes Surprisingly Emotional Sense. 
surprising emotional sense. And, and the writer talks about this word we love to use. Just kidding. We hate to use it. It's called the word sin. And what we like to do is we like to, we like to confuse the word sin with mistake. It's kind of all the time. Uh, like we just say, oh man, I made a mistake. But it's like, no, really, like we got to take some personal responsibility for some sin, missing the mark essentially. And so he talks about this word sin, but he goes, but I don't want to talk about for the rest of my book this word sin because sin in culture reminds people of chocolate truffles. It reminds you of the Rocky Road ice cream that you might binge eat at night. It refers to anti-sex, anti-pleasure, anti-fun. He goes, that's not what sin is. He says, sin is simply this, and I'm giving you the edited version. He said, it's the human propensity to mess things up. And it's not just about our tendency to passively mess things up. It's about our tendency to actively mess things up that you and I, we seem to have something disordered and broken inside of us. And what's interesting is not only do we mess things up, we'll mess up and break moods, we break promises, we break our well-being, we'll break other people's well-being simply because something is going on inside of us. Now this appointment that comes upon us randomly, see, it can happen in moments of monumental failure. When the, when the relationship ends, when, when you can only see your kid a couple times a week, it happens in those moments. But for some of us, like me, it happens in the stillness of life. When you find yourself going to sleep at night thinking, or you're in the shower and you start thinking, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Well, the truth is, how did we get here to the moment wherever here is for us? It wasn't by accident. It wasn't by mistake. It's a series of bad decisions. Now, here's the most interesting thing is you come upon this realization and you're like, oh, my gosh, I, too, have the human propensity to mess things up. And here's the crazy thing. It doesn't mean that that's the entire truth about you. It's just some of the truth. And so here's what's interesting. Our culture says, no, 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 don't think about that. You need to distract yourself. Play Fortnite. Scroll through miles of TikTok and Instagram. Do this. Just distract yourself. Binge watch Netflix. Or the other flip side of culture will say, hey, if you feel it and you want to do it, do it. Until you chase that rabbit down the trail and you're like, wow, I still have a gaping hole in my soul. And here's the interesting thing. This human propensity to mess things up, when you have that realization, the appointment with it, it's actually a gift. And here's where we start and begin our sermon. It says this, it's in the gentleness when he comes. This, this is a total, total gift. Jesus says this. He says, and when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Key in here, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. You see, the Holy Spirit's initial role in every one of our lives in this room and watching online is to bring you to the feet of Jesus. You have this moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I have fallen short. There is something dark inside of me. I have some disordered desires. I want to do good stuff, but I end up not doing it. I hate doing that. I want it. And I just, I, there's so much going on inside of me, but that is actually a gift. Because the Holy Spirit bringing us to the feet of Jesus going, I need a savior. Jesus goes, I can help you with that. And here's the greatest part, is as soon as you receive Jesus, everything changes inside your heart. Something 
miraculous happens. You might not have had some crazy symptoms or started screaming in tongues or whatever you were expecting, but I'm telling you, when you received what Jesus has done for you, everything changes. And here's what I want you to know. The Holy Spirit, he gives you a new nature. He gives you a new freedom. He gives you new desires, and he reminds you of who you are. Oh, I love the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Here's why you need to know that, though. Because you are not your past, your struggles, or your darkest desires. You are new, you are free, and you are a son or daughter of a good and heavenly father. So let's talk about this. So the Holy Spirit gives us a new nature. Let's think about this. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. What that is saying is, think, if you're not a believer, if you don't follow Jesus, this whole thing is a joke, right? So uh, I had a friend. I worked with a, a girl who was a son's cheerleader, right? And so she was beautiful inside and out, amazing woman. Um, and we were writing to each other on social media. And one of my buddies who's not a Christian commented under uh, what she had said because he saw her picture and thought she was attractive, right? And so he, uh, I, won't, I won't tell you the post because it was filled with expletives, but in 2021, it was like he was shooting his shot, right? He was shooting his shot with this woman. So he's re- he responds on here. He's saying like, uh, there was a lot, of, a lot of words that I cannot say, but he, he said what he said, and, and then I logged on, and I saw someone from church replied underneath it, and I was like, oh, no, here, let's read this one. Um, and now you know the abyss of social media. Um, so we I look at the post, and someone wrote under what he said, and he said, Jared, you need to tell your friend he needs to revere God, he needs to fear him, and he needs to watch his mouth. Now, I was young, so I didn't respond because I wouldn't have done it gracefully. However, what I wanted to say was, don't you understand he doesn't have a new nature. He is just fulfilling his job description. Something to think about as parents too. When your kids are six, seven, eight, who don't know Jesus, they don't have a new nature. They do not have a changed nature on the inside. And so I just want to let them know, I'm like, no, what it says in 1 Corinthians is the natural person doesn't accept the things of God. So you're saying these things, you're pointing him to morality, but you're not going to point him to Jesus. And that's what's really scary, y'all. Please make sure, do not point people to morality and not to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, if my buddy were to die and God goes, why should I let you in? He goes, well, I stopped cussing last. He'll be like, ah, that's right. Get in. You're in. You're good. Way to watch your mouth a couple times. No, it doesn't work like that. My buddy needs Jesus. But here's the difference for you that receive what Jesus has done is you literally have a new nature. What that means is God has literally put something new inside of you. And literally the things of God are like, wow, I actually want to talk to God. I want to get to know him. It goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 2, but we have the mind of Christ. You actually have a changed mind, a changed heart. You are changed at the soul level when the Holy Spirit entered inside of you. Recently, I was hearing this pastor. He was talking to this uh, guy, older guy. And he came up to the pastor. He goes, he goes, Man, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what's going on with me. He's like, what, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, man, I just want to go to church. I've been taking my family to church, and I've been, uh, I just want to learn about Jesus, and I've been, like, talking to God. He goes, yeah, you're born again, bro. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, like, 
yeah, that, you, you are born again. Like, that is a new nature that the Holy Spirit has put inside you. That's what changes about every single one of us, is he changes you at the level of your nature. It's so incredible because now the things of God are not crazy to you. Because you have the Holy Spirit, we now accept the things of him. All of a sudden, they start to make sense to us. We start wanting to follow Jesus. We start wanting to trust him and ultimately let him lead. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. I wanted to ask you today, did you know when you received the G- Jesus, when you receive what he has done for you, did you know that you are new? Because there's many people in here, you believe you're forgiven, but you do not believe you are clean. And I really feel, I didn't, I didn't say this last service, but I need to tell this story. Um, there's a, a pastor I love deeply, and he was, he was, uh, he, he has doing premarital with this, this couple that was going to be married. And he was a part of the bride-to-be's baptism, and now he's about to be a part of marrying her off, right? And um, they're sitting down a couple weeks before the wedding, and she goes, hey, pastor, I just got to tell you something. And, she's, and he said, what? She said, I don't think I can wear white on my wedding day. And he said, why is that, sweetheart? She said, well, I, I, you know, he knows what I've done. You know what I've done. God knows what I've done. I'm not pure. And the pastor said, Jesus says you are. Jesus says you are. Did you know when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you put your faith in Jesus, that not only are you forgiven, but you're also clean? And that's why we did baptisms last week, because what we are doing is signifying that the old you is gone and a new you has begun. Yes, you are not perfect. I get that. But you are new and you are being and will be perfected. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. Romans 6 says this. But thanks be to God that you were who once slaves of sin had become obedient from the heart. It's a heart change. It's something the Holy Spirit does. So he gives you a new nature but look at this. He also gives you a new freedom. So we go, it says in the, in the remaining of that verse, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. You've been set free from sin and are now slaves to God. Now this word slaves in the scriptures, a lot of times it's talking about servitude. There's many times where it's talking about serving. It's almost like employment these days. But this word is the exact word you think of when you think of slave. It is literally representing someone who has no personal freedom and it cannot do anything as he or she pleases. And this is what the scripture says. Before you have the Holy Spirit, that you are actually a slave to sin. That you actually, as much as you try to, to manage your sin, you, you can't do it. It is like it, it's, you're pushing down on one end and it's popping up somewhere else. He is saying you are literally a slave to sin. But here's the amazing thing in 6, 20 through 21. It says, but you were slaves of sin when you were. You were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things which you're now ashamed And here's the thing, I know so many of us have done so many things, including myself, things that you are deeply ashamed of. And here's the thing that I hate so much about sin, is sin always, always, always says, I'll be your slave, but sin always ends up becoming your master. Sin always will lie to you and say, I'll be your slave, but in the end it will always become your master. 
It'll say, just try one more. Just do one more thing. Like, you got it. You can control this. No, no, no. It's all just a lie. But here's the best part in verse 22. It's this, but now. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. And the fruit of that, it's not things you were ashamed of. The fruit of that leads to sanctification, leads to becoming perfected. And I love that so much, an eternal life. You see, when you cross the line of faith and follow Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit, I want you to know the door of the house of prison that you are in has been unlocked. The chains have been broken and you have been ushered out of your former bondage into the newness of life, into freedom. Here is why that is so important. Paul is saying you're not under the reign, the dominion of sin in your life. No, you have the Holy Spirit and he has set you free. And here's why you need to hold on to that. Because I know how temptation works. In Revelation it says, uh, he talks about Satan. He says, uh, Satan is the accuser of the children of God. And here's what I know about temptation. Every single one of us have something that tempts us that you absolutely hate. And here's how I know how it works. As soon as you get tempted, here comes the accuser and he goes, you're, just, you're already that far, you might as well just complete it. You're already thinking about lust, you might as well look at porn. You're already having an emotional talk with this girl, you might as well move to the next step. You already had one drink, you might as well have another. You've already slept with this many people. It doesn't matter now. It's already hopeless. But I am telling you that that is a lie. It's not true. You need to realize that you are free. And when temptation is knocking at your door, you don't have to answer it. That there is a grace for you to move past that and through that. That there is a good and heavenly father who is not standing over you going, oh man, let's see him fail now. No, he is standing over you going, I've got you. Trust me, we can, you can walk through this. Because it says no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to withstand. But with the temptation, he will provide every way of escape that you may be able to endure. You are free, my brothers and sisters, but that doesn't mean that you will not struggle. We all have struggles. And if you are sitting here and you're like, man, I, 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 Jared, I do these things that I absolutely hate. I, 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 I just, I don't want to do them. I, I keep do, going down this path, and I just want to encourage you. The fact that you have that struggle shows that the Holy Spirit's working in you. Because before the Holy Spirit, you would not care. You would just say, I'm just going to do whatever I want. But the fact that you even have the struggle, that just means you're in the fight. And I want to tell you, it's, it's okay. It's okay in the struggle. It's okay. You are not perfect. But remember, even when you fail and when you stumble, you are still new and you're still clean. So listen, the Holy Spirit gives you a new nature, a new freedom. The next is he gives you new desires. It's one of my favorite things. Galatians says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits, the fruit of the Spirit. You can't grow in patience and, and decrease in love. You can't, you can't grow in gentleness and decrease in self-control. No, it says, what the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against this, these things, there is no law. 
here's what I love so much, is as soon as you receive what Jesus has done for you, the Holy Spirit enters inside you. He gives you a new nature. He gives you a new freedom. But the third thing is he actually gives you new desires that come out of nowhere. So I was talking to this guy in our church. His name's Zach. I said, Zach, when, when you got saved, when God really got a hold of your heart, I said, what's the first desire, like just out of the blue that you got? He's like, dude, listening to worship music. I'm like, tell me about that. He's like, well, man, I listen to these like really like aggressive metal. I would honestly, demonic, I honestly listened to it too back in the day. Um, and so we were just reminiscing. We're like, oh yeah, I would not listen to that anymore. Now, if you're not a church, if you're not like a follower of Jesus, that might, this might sound religious, but I'm telling you, on the inside, it's like there's something in you that's like, oh, I don't really want to do that anymore. I just don't want to do that. So Zach said, he's like, so all of a sudden, I'm just listening to worship all the time. Now, for some of you, you can absolutely agree. Like, you, God got a hold of your heart maybe recently. You're driving down I-17 listening to K-Love, not even, not even worship music. You're bumping Christian music, and you find yourself crying up a storm down the I-17. Listen, if that's you, that is the Holy Spirit doing something crazy inside of you, giving you a desire that you once did not have. For me personally, when I, uh, when, when I got saved, the first thing that happened to me is uh, God, God gave me these crazy desires to like watch sermons. I could literally watch, even now, probably two to three sermons a day. Someone in the back's like, oh, that sounds horrible. I don't blame you, I don't blame you. Again, this is not something I did. Like I can watch sermons like y'all watch Netflix. Like, and you're like, God, this guy is weird. I know, I know. So I, all of a sudden, I'm like listening to sermons, and because I could not, un, like, I had grown up in church my whole life, I finally actually experienced God, and I'm like, holy crap, like, he's real, this is wild, like, now I know why people raise their hands in worship, now I know why people are praying, and, and all these things, and, and, and it's so amazing to me, because before that moment, man, I never knew any of that, so I was so hungry, I'm like, dude, like, this is Jesus, like, this is crazy, like, this actual relationship. Then I started reading the Bible, I'm like, this is crazy, like, he, like, speaks through this thing. It's, it's absurd. And, and, and here's the crazy part is, we have a student lead, leader here, um, his name's Clayton. He had, this, he had this message a couple months back. He said, it's amazing how you can be around Jesus, but never experience him. And so he talked about, like, the crowds. There's always these crowds of people around Jesus, but then one or two people get healed. And I was like, man, that was me constantly in the crowd. I knew a lot of information about him, but I didn't actually know him. Here's the craziest part. So I have these desires to like watch sermons, right? So who would have known that six years later after that moment that God actually was preparing me since day one that I got saved to preach? That's absurd. Day one, he goes, all right, I'm working something in you. And so I say all that because I know God has given you desires. I am not some savant that knows what's going on inside of you, but I do know that if you have the Holy Spirit, he is giving you new desires, new things that he is guiding you towards, nudging you towards, and setting you free from. And I am telling you, you have to follow those desires. Because here's the thing, the results may vary. I'm not sure what's going to happen when you follow those desires, but let me tell you, obedience is what matters most. Obedience is what matters most. So this is what I love. He says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Here's the crazy part. As soon as you get saved, I'm sorry, you now have a new internal war. 
Before, you didn't have that war at all, but now you have a war. For it says in verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Key in on that. You see, we go to church, we pray, we worship, not because we have to, we literally get to because the Holy Spirit changes our want to. And now I'm thinking about this. If there is someone in here and you're like, man, Jared, I just, I love Jesus, but right now I just don't have the desire to get to know him. I don't have the desire to ever read the scriptures. I don't have the desire to pray. Perfect. You're in a good place. Here's why. I'm just, I would ask that you do this. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, please, just please change my desires. Please, would you just give me a love? Like this is not about pulling up our bootstraps and striving harder. I am telling you, this can be, God can do this. You would ask the Holy Spirit, please, Holy Spirit, would you please give me new desires? Would you help me desire you over that thing? Would you help me just, just fall in love with you again? rather than doing all this stuff that I actually don't want to do. And here's what's amazing is what I've learned over time is that um, when you are a follower of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's inside of you, um, you can live the old life you lived, but I promise you, you will be miserable because a sinning Christian is a miserable Christian. You know why? Because it's not who you are anymore. And I had this picture of like, I think of like a king coming out, going into a a dark part of town and seeing their kid, their son or their daughter playing in the mud. And you're like, I've given you every, like you have the, you are an heir to the throne. You have an inheritance of grace and blessing over your life. But yet we go, if we're going back to the mud, well, God's like, that's not who you are, son. That's not who you are, daughter. I had a friend who, he was the man. Uh, we were at Arizona State University, and he would always host the parties. Thirsty Thursdays, every Thursday. You know, it's going down at this place. You, it's happening. Some of you know what I'm saying. Some of you are like, well, I didn't go down that road. Good for you. So um, we're at the party, and my buddy, he is the life of the party. He's the guy. He's hosting. He's the man. He's good looking. Um, everything. He walks out of the party, looks at my friend, and he goes, I'm not having fun anymore because probably three weeks, a month before, God got a hold of his heart um, from some, some people doing like campus ministry. And he's just like, I'm not having fun anymore. You know why? Because the truth is that's not who he was. That's not who he is anymore. Like literally the Holy Spirit changed him. You can still be doing those things. You can play in the mud, but I promise you, you will be miserable. Thomas Watson says this, he says, until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. It's just the truth. Like, unless sin is like, like, and and that's a Holy Spirit thing. He's just like, oh, like, I just don't want to do that anymore. But look at this, because he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 25, he says this, but if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's relationship language. Some of you are married, and what do you do? You might go on walks when it's nice outside. It's relationship. It's just, hey, the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you. Just walk in step with him. Those other desires, you don't, you don't, have, you don't have to go that way. Just walk in step. You see, some of you are, think that you can shame and guilt and beat yourself up into holiness. And I want to let you know, you won't. You'll just be miserable. 
The truth is, is that just walking in step by the Spirit, that is what ultimately changes you from the inside out. This is not a do more, try harder place that you're in. This is a rest and a, and a, and a call to greater faith, greater trust in a good and heavenly Father. And I, I, I'll leave you with this. This is the, this is the last, last point. Is the Holy Spirit, he not only gives you a new nature, a new freedom, and a new desires. He changes, this is, this is game changer. He reminds you of who you are. So as I read in the beginning, Jesus says this. He says that when he comes, and when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. Of sin to those who do not believe. And at the very end, he says, of judgment because, I, because the ruler of this world is judged. He is referring to Satan. But in the middle, he says, but convict the world of righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. This verse is exactly after the beginning when he says, it is better that I go. So he's saying, he's saying, I'm going to convict the world of righteousness. I'm going to convict those who believe in me of righteousness because I go to the Father and you'll see me no more. He says, if I go to the Father, who's going to remind you who you really are? And so here is the truth that is just absolutely crazy. The Holy Spirit is constantly going to remind you of who you are. So here's how that works out. When you are road raging, when you are holding on to bitterness, when you are living a lifestyle that you know God is not in, he is not blessing, the Holy Spirit does not shame you. He does not condemn you. He says, son, daughter, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You don't, you don't belong in this, you don't belong in the mud. I, I picture a bride in a, in, a, in a white dress playing in the mud and, and, and dad's like, my, my daughter, I, that, that's not where you, no, that's not who you are. Like, you, no, this is not it. He, and he doesn't shame or condemn. And there's some people in here, you think every time that your inner critic just rises to the occasion or you feel shame or condemnation, you attribute that to the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, you're wrong. The Holy Spirit would not condemn you or shame you of sin he has already paid for. Because if that was the truth, then when Jesus says it is finished on the cross, that means it wasn't finished and Christ's cross was not enough. So here's the truth. The truth is that Holy Spirit, he will speak to every single one of you. If you are a son or daughter in this room, and every time you go off to the side, he's going to say, hey, that's not who you are. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, I'm, I'm raging about He goes, that's not who you are. No, no, no. I'm, I'm holding on to bitterness. I won't forgive people. He goes, no, no, no. That's not who you are. Keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with me. Walk in my ways because the fruit of that other stuff leads to death. It leads to things that you're ashamed of. He said, but the fruit of this, it is sanctified it is eternal life and it is the fullness of life i'm telling you the holy spirit he is leading you and guiding you and you do know his voice please i am begging you please just be obedient just be obedient he literally has the best plans for your life you have no idea and so here's what i want us to do here's what i want you to walk away with i want you to feed your deepest holy spirit given desires is reading the scriptures right now the, the thing that's pushing you? Is it prayer? Is it worship? Is it sermons? Is it loving people? I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of you, but I'm telling you, feed your deepest Holy Spirit desires because as you feed these desires, you starve out everything else. As you feed these desires, you starve out everything else. 
Feed your deepest Holy Spirit given desires, and here's why. Because the Holy Spirit will always be leading you into truth, into freedom, and the fullness of life. So here's, here's let's think about in the negative sense. What will happen, and, and you're going to now know this, when you are taking steps that is not God's will. It doesn't even have to be bad. The Holy Spirit is going to do a thing where I call it, it's a check. You start walking this way, and you just kind of have a lack of peace. You're like, ooh, that's, that's not the vibe. That's not it. You, you might be, maybe it's applying for a job, or you want to get out of the certain place you're at, and the Holy Spirit will be like, just trust me. Just trust me. Just sit in this. Just, just, I got you. I, I'm, I'm not going to give you peace because I don't want you to move forward with that. But in the same way, he'll also nudge you. He's going to nudge you towards ways. He's going to say, hey, I want you to trust me in this area of your life. Hey, I want you to rest in me in this area of your life. I want you to trust me financially. I want you to trust me by getting out of that relationship because I have someone better for you. I want you to trust me that I'm going to walk you through this. That is what he does. He is so gentle. That's what I love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And my favorite part is gentleness because I always thought God was a miserable CEO. I did. And some of you do too. But I'm telling you, that's not his voice. He is so kind. He will, he will rebuke. He will correct. But he always does it in light. And he does it perfectly. And he does it in light of reminding you of who you are. I have a question. Is, is there some, there's got to be some people in here that you currently are walking out of step of who you really are. And I just want to remind you today that, hey, you are righteous. That when you stumble and fall, the Holy Spirit doesn't condemn you. He goes, you are righteous. Walk with me. You are clean. Walk with me. It changes everything. So remember, the Holy Spirit, he has made you new. He gives you a new nature, a new freedom. You are free and new desires. The desires that God is giving you, there is something that you are gonna, that there is something right now that I haven't even said boiling up in your soul that you know you need to trust him in this area. But also, he reminds you of who you are. Our God is so good. He's the best father that you can ever imagine. So what do we do? Feed your deepest Holy Spirit given desires. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will always be leading you into truth, freedom, and the fullness of life. So as I was prepping for um, this message, I was thinking about my buddy Reagan. So my buddy Reagan is uh, the dean of men over at Teen Challenge, and what I want to do is I actually just want to just have him tell, uh, just for a couple minutes, just kind of his story, but I want you to see what the things I've just said outline throughout his life. So with that, can you guys give it up for Reagan? (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Hey. Love you. Love you so, um, so Reagan, let, let them know. So um, I don't want to give too much of your backstory, but, you know, Aryan Brotherhood, uh, in prison a lot, um, and all of a sudden you're in prison and you have to make a choice. They give you an ultimatum. Right, yeah. So uh, like you said, um, I spent most of my 20s doing a lot of drugs, learning how to manufacture drugs, working with my family, things like that. And then I spent most of my 30s incarcerated either in county jail or prison in and out a couple of times. And so I was getting out of prison this last time in 2012, 2013, just got through doing five years and actually wasn't going to get released. I was going to get released and county jail was going to show up and give me a free ride back to county in Oklahoma, where I was from, and uh, I was going to face a couple more charges, and so I was going to get those charges and then go right back, and at first it was going to be about 
six to eight years, eight years-ish. Um, and my mom had already been forced to move out of the state to get away from me because I'd almost put her in the hospital a couple times from worrying about me so much. And so my mom flew out from Arizona to Oklahoma to talk to me through a window for like literally 25 minutes as well. She got, you know, the little phone, plexiglass, crackling voice, all that stuff. And she just said, do you want to be like your dad the rest of your life? And I was like, no. She's like, well, I got this place that these people knocked on my door and told me about. It's called Teen Challenge. It's a Christian rehab. And I literally like almost broke her heart. But I was like, whoa, it's a Christian rehab. And she's like, yeah. I was like, eight years doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, yeah. It's a true story. Saddest day in my mom's life. It really was. But my back mom, to the scripture, right? Yeah. It, the, the natural, it's, it's folly. Of course. You're like, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, was like, I was like, why would I go to a Christian rehab? That sounds 100%. Horrible. I was like, Jesus, that's, those, those people are kooks. <laughs> like, that's literally why, yeah, that's, that's who I was. I was one of those people. Like, I studied every other religion on the planet because I thought it had to be better than, than this Jesus stuff. And so, um, go back to my cell. My mom hangs up the phone and she's like, I don't want to talk to you. She hangs up the phone, gets back on the plane, flies home. And immediately, like within a week, that six to eight years goes to like eight to 12 for no reason. Like the, my, my lawyer comes back and says, hey, they're going to give you like 12 years now. And I'm like, okay, that's a little too far. And so over the next 90 days, I go from, hey, I might take, you know, she just goes, your mom brought up this really crazy idea. I don't think the DA will go for it. The DA doesn't like me, knows me by name. I've been in and out of prison, my dad, my family, most of my life. And in the next 90 days, from the point that I said, well, let's talk about it. In that next 90 days, I go from being in jail in Oklahoma, going back to prison for the third time for 12 years, to being in Arizona, walking into a drug rehab, not in prison, not going to prison at all, and going into a drug rehab for a year. In 90 days. Because the Holy Spirit was moving before I ever even believed in it. Yeah, we can clap for that. Yeah. Yeah, so, so basically, it sounds like you're like, eight years, I'll go to prison. But 12, you're like... Yeah, it was, just, it was, it was literally just a little bit. Yeah, I, was yeah, like, yeah. I, was like, I was like, all right. So tell them the story when, uh, so you said, okay, if God's real, then show me. And yeah. then kind of what happened. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like they tell you, don't ever, don't ever dare God. And so, like, you know, this is what you, what you do. But so I got to a point where I had a real, like, second day in the program. I am not a Jesus person. I am not one of those Jesus people. But I go to church because they make you. And I'm in this church service with this kook. I mean, it's just wild. Dude's running around, spit flying out of his mouth. Like, he's just, it's a crazy place. It's right in the middle of downtown Phoenix. His name's Pastor Gus, Fire and Water. They're beautiful people. And he, like, is running around, like, and you're just like, oh, my God, these people are crazy. And he stops, and he's like, and he just runs right over here. And then God touches me in a supernatural way because he talks directly to me. And I leave that service, and I'm like, I something's different, right? Holy Spirit reacts in my heart. And I, for the first time in my life, I said two things, God, I can't do this on my own and I need help. And I swear, Jesus was like, cool. It only took 38 years, but we'll, we'll work with that. <laughs> so 38 years old, right? And so a couple of months, a couple of weeks later, I've been in this program now. I've only been sober, just so you guys know, and I wouldn't even say I was sober. I'd literally been not doing drugs physically in my hand for about 36 hours at that point. I've been using drugs for about 10 days straight at that point. I was probably still on drugs. But the next two weeks goes by, and these guys, we used to sit around and tell like war stories, and guys would be like, if I could just have one more cigarette, just, just one more cigarette, and everything would be perfect or great, or just one more drink. And I was sitting in my bed with like five guys in the room, and I realized 
that for the last two weeks since I told God I needed help and I can't do this on my own, I need you to take away my methamphetamine addiction. I need you to take away my Give cigarettes. Give it up for God. God, God never on. happened. Yes. Like, I never felt it again. I never had urges again. To this day, I've never had an urge to get high ever since. Now, I'm not saying that that works for everybody, but God supernaturally did that in my life. So, Reagan, tell him then, like, because for not, so that's the amazing part is, like, God takes out, uh, he puts in the new nature, right? He right. makes you new, and he takes away that desire, um, but for some some people, like, that struggle still exists. Yeah, like, I'm, like, he was saying road rage. I'm, my, my, my girlfriend would say, I'm, I'm horrible with road rage. I am, I'm impatient. I am impetuous. I, I have all of those things, all the M's. Um, I'm all of those. And so I was like, okay, cool. If you just ask God, he takes stuff away. Great. So I was like, God, I don't want to be angry anymore and take this anger away. And God was like, okay, little thing about that. That is a teaching tool. And we're not taking that away. You're going to work through that. We're not going to go around that. So like God, we went around the drugs, went around the addiction, went around the other stuff, but God's like, some of this stuff, we're going to walk through it and go through it. Like, so that, you know, like the Holy Spirit, take this away, pull your hands through this or walk behind you and encourage you through other stuff. It's just, um, it's amazing to me how the Holy Spirit works in all these different ways to get you where you need to go. Like gentle nudge, firm kick, two by four in the face, (laughs) just whatever it is, God's going to get your attention. And um, for me, more than two by. What, what I love about that is, like, you're saying, like, you, you had said on the phone, you said, yeah, God took away my meth cravings, but he didn't take away my anger because he wanted to use that as a barometer to yeah. how well we're staying close. Yeah, yeah, like, just one of those things where when I blow up or I lose in my cool or, like, I'm on the road and somebody, like, literally just, like, turns on their blinker, waits three seconds and changes lanes, and I'm like, why'd you cut me off? And then yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Jesus, I think I think I need to talk to you a little bit more because, <laughs> like, like if I'm yelling at people for just changing lanes, then we need to have a conversation. Like, yeah. I'm 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 not doing my job. Like, I can tell. And so Jesus is like, yeah, that's why we leave that there. So that I literally we know. love that. Like, like that God would leave our struggles so that we would stay close to Him. Yeah. And I, I would say that, like, with my disease, like I feel that way too. Without it, I don't know if I would stay uh, that that close to Him. So then tell them, um, then the last thing I would say, tell them what changed in you as far as desire-wise. Like, as soon as you got saved, like, what's something new that came out? So I was always someone that, like, I'll just be really honest with you. Like, I was raised around people that were very singular in their thinking. You know, like, you know, we don't like people because of the way that they look, their color, their choice, the way that, you know, just whatever it is. Like, we were, I was raised in a culture of that and then reinforced as I got older. And when I got saved by, when Jesus grabbed a hold of my heart, and I mean like really got a hold of my heart, two things that happened is I was like, I've now to this day never met a person that I really don't like. If I don't like someone and it happens, like I meet someone, I'm like this dude, just, I'm like, you know what? Immediately I go, I need to get to know them better. Because the more I get to know them, the more I'm compelled to love them. I don't care how broken you are, how broken I am. If I know, the more I know about you and the more I know about who you are and your parents and your family and just all the backstory to you, the more I'm compelled to love you. And then I want to help people. Like, I never wanted to help people before. I was the type of guy that would want to, like, if you were falling, I'd be like, oops, you fell. I don't know how that happened. But I'm not that guy. Like, I want to help people get to, like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not saying that I'm in a great place, but I'm like, hey, if we're going up, like, these big steps, right? Like, say these are big boulders that we can't climb. If I'm on this step and you're on that step, I want to pull you up here. And then if there's hopefully somebody up here to help us both up here, and that's how it goes. Like, I'm always like, hey, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. And I was never like that before. But God put that desire in my heart. I love that. Hey, give it up for Reagan. Hey, thank you, guys. So I think with that, let's, uh, let's, let's sing one more. Uh, if y'all want to stand, I just want to pray for you guys, and then uh, we'll, we'll uh, worship.
Uh, Holy Spirit, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would um, fill this place. Lord, I ask, God, that, um, Lord, even during the song or during the message, Lord, I just pray that, God, those desires that you've given them, would you please just increase them? Lord, for those that are lacking the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, I ask, God, that we claim your patience, Lord, we claim um, your love. Lord, we ask that you would change our hearts from the inside out, Lord, because we know this isn't pulling ourselves up, um, but it's about you coming down to us. Holy Spirit, we just ask, God, that you would uh, speak something new to every single one of your sons and daughters in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityU app on the App Store.